Congressional Democrats, now in the majority of the House of Representatives, are using their newfound power to investigate the president. But we're not talking about a single investigation. We're talking about several overlapping and sometimes conflicting investigations from various committees on a wide range of topics. And so this week, as news broke that congressional Democrats requested documents from more than 81 associates of President Trump, that congressional Democrats are preparing to request Trump's tax returns, and that congressional Democrats hired a former federal prosecutor of organized crimes, it sent a signal to the White House, and it raised questions about Democrats' overall strategy. This episode, we're looking at exactly how congressional investigations work and how might different congressional oversight strategies affect the president. This is Can He Do That? a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. The United States Congress has a few key functions in American government. Among them, of course, are lawmaking. All those in favor will say aye. Those opposed say no. The ayes have it. The motion And representing the people. Another major function, though, is oversight. Congress is responsible for overseeing the executive branch. Now, this oversight role ultimately takes a bunch of different forms, like holding meetings with executive branch officials, conducting studies about particular policies, or leading investigations. Our goal is to vindicate the rule of law, to protect the rule of law in this country. And that's our core function as the Judiciary Committee of the Congress. Traditionally, a congressional investigation emerges from one of its committees, groups like the House Judiciary Committee or the Senate Intelligence Committee. And while a court of law might have to meet a certain burden to launch an investigation, say a crime has been committed, these congressional committees do not. So what then meets the standard to launch a congressional investigation? Anything deemed an abuse of power or in service of the public good, that's a definition much broader than anything you might see in a court of law. Also, unlike law enforcement operations, Congress can't press charges, but they can issue subpoenas if someone refuses to comply with their request. And if a committee finds evidence of a crime, they can vote to release that information to the Justice Department. So while in a court of law, you have prosecutors, lawyers, judges, juries, in a congressional hearing, you have lawmakers. We welcome everyone to this morning's hearing on oversight of the Department of Justice. Members of opposing parties who inherently have a whole world of politics at stake. In 2019, what do we do to make sure we kept our democracy intact? Now, the parties serving in the majority on these committees have the most influence over investigations and decision-making. So then when a majority in the House or the Senate is the opposite party of the president, there's an inherent tension. Democrats are grappling to find a strategy in that tension. That is the big question, right? What is the strategy? Karin Demersion is a congressional reporter at The Post who focuses on national security from inside the halls of the Capitol. She explained how the Democrats in Congress are trying to hone their approach to investigating President Trump. The challenge for the Democrats is figuring out how they want to enforce all these things, which avenues they're going to choose because they have to prioritize. At this point, several congressional committees are investigating different things related to the president, which means there's potential for quite a bit of overlap. They've got a way 
the turf of the panels and what they need to do and running complete investigations in those ways with coordination, with just expediency. You know, you need to get through as much as possible and you need to cooperate as much as you can. And they haven't done this. They haven't really, I mean, look, Democrats have not been in charge in the House Mm -hmm. for years and they have been able to coordinate on the counter strategy, but not the running strategy. And I think that we're at a historic moment that we haven't seen for probably a generation for the type of thing that they're doing anyhow. So this is a their challenge going ahead. This week, we saw some of how congressional Democrats are tackling that challenge through things like document requests, preparation for potential legal battles, and some notable hires to help them investigate. On Monday, one congressional committee used a sweeping strategy for its own specific investigation. The House Judiciary Committee sent 81 letters to different people associated with the president, demanding from them communications and documents. It goes from everybody from Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr., not Ivanka, that's worth mentioning, to Michael Flynn, you know, all of these these big name people, Michael Cohen too, looking for documents that people close to the president had, but then also going down further into the weeds, I guess, names that you might have forgotten existed of, you know, people that were contracted to help look for Hillary Clinton's emails at some point you know, with when, when that was still being discussed openly um, on the campaign trail and otherwise. So they really are kind of going for the big fish and the little fish. And you can, what you can guess is going on there is that if you don't get full cooperation, if you don't get full transparency from some of the people who might be I mean, legally, they should be turning over everything they have. But for people who have maybe an incentive not to be, then you might find things from people who happen to have been on an email chain or happen to have, you know, received a copy of a document. And whatever they find is going to open up new lines of inquiry. If they're looking in the right places, whatever they find should result in additional scrutiny of other people. It's 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 like following clues, right? 81 people potentially giving you clues. Right. There's a lot of possibly going to be a lot of information to try to you know string together. Yeah. Now, assuming many of those people overlap with Robert Mueller's probe, people that he's been looking into, are there things that Congress can obtain from them or ask them or request from them that Mueller could not? Mueller had the power to ask for a lot of things, but Mueller still was working under a mandate that was focused on a particular period of time, a particular focus of was it going to be criminal or not. Um, and had to clear any vast expansion of his probe up the chain at DOJ. So, yeah, I guess Congress can actually, does not have any limits in terms of what they're looking at. And and so could go as wide as you can imagine, basically. But again, do they want to is the question. Because just because you can, you know, shake shake at everything under the sun that has ever touched any Trump in the history of time does not mean that that's a good use of your time. So they have to make a decision that if, okay, if Mueller is doing the criminal lane, what are we doing? And it seems like they're kind of focusing around these areas of potential financial shady behavior, abuse of power, obstruction of justice seem to be the big central issues here because those are the ones, especially when you're talking about obstruction of justice, that seems to be the clearest path towards wrongdoing that cannot really be politicized around, right? And But you have to really, really, really prove it. So they also have to, if they want to talk about impeachment or they want to even talk about swaying voters in the public, which I, I'm sorry to be so dry about this, but but that really is what you have to think about if you're in Congress because that's it, it is still a political body. So if that's what they want to do, they've got to decide what gets them there with the most incontrovertible, you can't spin around this sort of proof. 
The document's request wasn't the only effort from House Democrats that emerged this week. The Post reported that Democrats, led by House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal, are likely to request 10 years of President Trump's tax returns in the coming weeks. The Democrats have said they want to review Trump's tax returns for evidence of conflicts of interest, inappropriate business relationships, or improper influence by foreign governments. But as much as there's been focus on the tax returns, the tax returns, the tax returns, it's probably not going to be the most revealing part of this investigation just because it's going to take so long to actually see what's in those files. Does Trump have to turn over his tax returns if if Congress asks for them? Well, I mean, yes, but again, this is a question of timelines, right? Congress can ask for his Trump t- for Trump's tax returns. He can then say, OK, even though that's highly unlikely, or he can say, no, go pound sand. At which point they will subpoena his tax returns, at which point, you know, they will challenge the subpoena or not comply with the subpoena, at which point the members of Congress will have to hold him in contempt or take this to court. And then they fight it out in a court battle. And it depends on how quickly that court case can get scheduled and everything else. You were talking about at least months, if not more, for them to try to get these tax returns. And it's not going to be an easy fight. And it could be a fight that lasts longer than that goes longer than next November. And that is definitely something that Democrats can keep pounding in the headlines and and, and pointing out that there's noncompliance here. What is he hiding? If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. In a third notable move from congressional Democrats this week, the House Intelligence Committee hired a former federal prosecutor to lead its investigation of Trump's alleged ties to Russia. House Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff has hired a veteran ex-prosecutor with experience fighting Russian organized crime to lead his investigation. Daniel Goldman oversaw prosecutions of Russian organized crime networks for the Southern District of New York. We're talking about somebody who has prosecuted RICO cases, racketeering, uh, securities fraud, organized crime, Russian organized crime as well. I mean, that is not a coincidence that this is who Adam Schiff, who really is punching probably the hardest um, because he has the deepest bench in terms of staff expertise of what he can look at. And also just the most uh, his committee has the highest clearance to be able to to look into the most classified stuff. Is it normal to hire an outside prosecutor for a congressional committee? Well, it's normal for congressional committees to hire people with all forms of expertise. And you don't usually hire, especially for the the committees that have very specialized lines of um, investigative inquiry, you don't hire just people that have been, you know, good staffers to, you know, particular Congressman X. You want people that have expertise. So people get pulled in all the time from the administration, from the military, from from various parts of life in which they would have learned a fine-tuned skill. It's just really interesting that they're bringing in this particular fine-tuned skill. So the fact that Schiff has appointed this person to run investigations is a signal, is a signal of what he's planning to be looking at. I mean, he's been saying for a long time he wants to look at money laundering, whether there is any foreign entity that Trump dealt with that could have some sort of financial or other leverage over him. And of course, just the question of 
the various Russia contacts, whether it's the project to build a Trump Tower in Moscow or that Trump Tower meeting they had in 2016, that, that they're looking at that, WikiLeaks, things like that. So it's not a surprise that he was interested in this direction, but the fact that this is the person who puts in charge of his investigations is, again, supposed to make us sit up and notice and say, oh, okay, so that's the way that they're thinking. At this stage, it is still kind of early in the Democratic probes, the Democratic-led probe game. So a lot of these are signals. The 81 letters from House Judiciary signal. The hiring of this guy signal. If they can substantiate this stuff, that's very, very, very serious. But let's see exactly what they can run down. These signals from Democrats certainly seemed to get the attention of one particular person, President Trump. Uh, So it's a shame. And the people understand it. When they look at it, they just say presidential harassment, but that's okay. No administration has accomplished, probably you could say this with absolute surety, in the first two years, uh, anywhere near what we've accomplished. Trump has accused the Democrats of presidential harassment. He's called their probes a fishing expedition and the greatest overreach in the history of our country. Yeah, I mean, that's his role, right, to be the Twitter fighter, but... There have been risks in him doing it this whole time. Again, remember, one of the main things that Congress has an incentive to look into is potential obstruction of justice. When you are dropping hints on your Twitter account about who, how somebody should testify or cheering certain people on or calling certain people rats, et cetera, I mean, those are potential signals to people. And that is part of a potential case. It's probably not the whole thing to focus on a Twitter account, but you can't just kind of brush off a Twitter account and be like, oh, that's Twitter. It doesn't count. It counts in this presidency. Look, most of the people in his circle, the trouble that they've gotten into at this point is that they can't seem to talk in a straight line. They seem to you know, trip over themselves and lie about things and lie to investigators, whether they're on Capitol Hill or in the FBI. And that's been what has primarily brought them down. If Trump is going to also make mistakes of speech and errors of, you know, over-talking, he seems to have already made them. And he doesn't seem to be wanting to change course at this point, though. And in a way, that also is very Trump. If you're in a bind, double down, keep playing hard. And that's really how he has come through many things in the past. So for him, yeah, it was a faulty strategy, but it was a faulty strategy two years ago if it was going to pose a problem. It's still potentially going to pose a problem, but if it's already a problem, it's already a problem. There's two parts of this, right? There's the court fight, which is what Mueller is going to handle. There is the congressional fight, which is going to be both substantive and political. And if they can't get to something that's as substantive as impeachment at the end of the line, it's a political battle. And Trump knows how to play a political battle. And that's what he's playing. Okay, so yes, it's a political battle for Trump. But it can also amount to a legal battle in the sense that the White House is pretty tightly holding on to information and documents requested by Congress, right? They're pushing back against those requests. Even when the Republicans were running the probes on Capitol Hill and wanted information about, you know, from Jeff Sessions, Steve Bannon, people like that, you would hear them say, well, the president might want to claim executive privilege on this in the future, so no. And as much as the White House kind of had cover because people on the in their outer ring were just kind of blocking for them, it suggests that this is the strategy. They are not going to play nice. They are not going to just bring over boxes and boxes of information to say, hey, sure, look, look away. We've got nothing to hide here. If they have something to hide, they're hiding it. If they don't have something to hide, their strategy is still punch back. Mm-hmm. And this could lead to this sort of subpoena court battle that we talked about before. Very clearly. So when you're dealing with somebody who's not cooperating, sometimes a subpoena is scary and sometimes a subpoena is really not scary. So um, subpoenas sometimes can be threatened and then never issued because people agree to comply. 
But again, it, the track record does not suggest that this White House is feeling like they really want to. DOJ done their matter. Subpoenas seem to have worked with the Justice Department to an extent to get them to cough up a lot of information over the last two years. Democrats are saying that's the baseline standard now for what we want and we expect from you, which could lead to us getting all manner of investigative documents, grand jury testimony. Those will be fights, but they will be fights that you know are, are, are rooted in at least some precedent that we've seen. Trump has run a culture of secrecy, and he's run a culture of not showing people things that traditionally presidents have shown. There's no reason to expect that he's going to change strategy right now. All right, then last question for you. We have Democrats figuring out their strategy. We have the White House figuring out their rebuttal. We have, you know, investigations coming out of Congress. What are you watching for in your reporting right now? (laughs) What aren't you watching for? I know, right? No, I mean, look, just generally speaking, I'm watching for where they decide to go. Um, Because you can kind of get signals from which witnesses they're calling, whether they add additional staffers, what lines of inquiry individual members seem to be interested in. And that will kind of substantiate what they think they have. Mm -hmm. um, And what they think they have will dictate where they go. I'm also watching to see how they organize themselves and who ends up taking the lead on what issues, because that'll also tell you how they're seeing the potential fault in each of these episodes, where they're seeing those lines. And I'm going to be looking at how hard Trump, not just Trump, but Trump and members of his administration fight back, because that is going to dictate most likely not just how much information they can get. And of course, we always want to try to get substantively ahead of the story, but um, how successful this is going to be. And I think that is the big endgame question. Um, If they they can send out as many letters as they want to if they are just screaming into the abyss and nothing ever comes of it because we just get everything mired in court. That just kind of makes the whole thing fall apart. But if they are able to cast the wider net, get people more on the outside to feed them information that gets them closer and closer and closer and closer to the center, that's the you know that's the TV drama that we're all going to be tuned in for and that will actually make everybody you know on the edge of their seats as we head into election season again. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? We, as always, want to hear from you guys. So if you could distill the Trump presidency down to one question, a question like, can he do that, for example, what question would it be? We want to hear that question from you guys. You can send us those questions via email, or you can reach out to either me, Allison Michaels, on Twitter at Allison Mikes, or our producer, Carol Alderman, on Twitter at I am Carol Beth. Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the versatile and multi-talented Carol Alderman, with design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. 